0: He's just pretending, really. Now, I know it really looked that way, but he was just pretending. Now, if you come out and you see him as a cone, do not hit him. Okay, there will be a lawsuit if you hit Daniel on Sunday, next Sunday night. Okay, that's just, again, that's just pretending to to kind of promote what we're doing. I love to have a good time in the house of God. The Bible says that uh, a merry heart does good like medicine. And, uh, you know, uh, years and years ago I I was studying that verse and discovered the benefit of endorphins, and uh, that your heart produces endorphins and what they do for you. And and so laughter is a good place in the church, and so I, I enjoy laughing with you and at you and for you, and I want you to laugh uh, at me, and I think that's uh, uh, a good thing. Love you so much. Thank you for being here. hope you brought your Bible today. I want you to turn in the Old Testament to two books today, to the book of Daniel. First of all, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. That's a few books after the book of Psalms. If you kind of find that in the middle of your Bible and then go right, uh, Daniel chapter 1. And after you find Daniel chapter 1, find Proverbs. Daniel chapter 1 and then we'll look at Proverbs chapter 8. I'm really not going to give you an outline as such. I'm going to give you an introduction uh, to a sermon this morning, but I am going to give you a big idea It's something to think about this week and a challenge. So it's still a sermon, but uh, it has some meat in it. It has a lot of scripture in it, but the structure is a little bit different. So I would encourage you to, to track with me, and I would ask to borrow your mind better yet that the Holy Spirit of God could have your mind if you would do that and be helped. Years and years ago, almost 40 years ago, not quite, I was attending a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and a seminary out of Florida was hosting that conference. And the speaker, they had two speakers. Uh, one speaker was a man that had influenced my life through his a book that he had written. I'd read that book a couple of years earlier. And it had had a profound influence upon my life. It still does. I try to read it uh, once a year. It's still being published. And if you know anything about books, that's still something that they're still publishing that book four decades later. He's written several dozen books. I don't know, maybe forty some odd books. And uh, of all the books that he's written, this this one is kind of the the jewel. It's the one that that made him known. All of his books are. Are, are good. And I remember, as I said, at that meeting, and there were probably 300 uh, other pastors and, and spiritual leaders there. And the reason I went is because the book was not just good, but the book was just chock full of wisdom. It was so helpful to me, but it was just so filled with with wisdom. And I knew that if that came from this man's soul, from his heart, and from his mind as he walked with God, that there was more to be had. And boy, I wasn't disappointed. And I sat there for those three days, two and a half days, and uh, he began to influence my life. And I still have those notes and go back and refer to those occasionally. And listening to him was like uh, trying to drink from fire hydrant. Uh, to use a metaphor, uh, every time he would say something, I would write it down. And when I was still thinking about that, he would, he would give something else that was good. And I, my, my hand began to cramp. It was just so, so good. I began to think, you know, if I ever have a, a meaningful decision uh, to make, I'm going to put him on my, my short list. Where I, I need to talk to him. I need to, to get in touch with this man. And so I began to make a habit of that. I began to, to collect advisors. I, I already had some, but I began to find people that were wise and look for people that, that had something to say. They just didn't say things, but when they spoke, they had something to say. Uh, I, some of those people I've never met, some of them have been dead for uh, 100 or 200 and maybe longer of years because they're authors and some are preachers that I've never met. You know, while God has given us people to guide us and to help us, He's also given us wisdom, His own wisdom, to help us. The Bible talks to us in the book of Proverbs about the value of counsel and having advisors, and that's a biblical principle. But God also says, I want to give you wisdom, not just so you can advise people, but so that you can advise yourself. There's an old saying that goes like this. If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I remember the first time I heard that statement, read it in a business book years ago. I thought, that's that's true. That's true. And I begin to practice that with my children. Sometimes you, those of you that are young, not just in the teenagers, but those of you that are young, you need to listen to that. Sometimes we just want a quick answer. One of the things I ask people that are successful, those that are ahead of me, those that are smarter and quicker than me, um, who do you learn for? Who has influenced your life? Because I want to go to the well that you're drinking from. And I just don't want to be fed for a day, I want to be fed for a lifetime. Of course, the, the greatest source of wisdom is, is the wisdom book, the Word of God, and our Heavenly Father who, who authored the Word of God. This is kind of, if, if I can have two thesis statements in a sermon, I suppose I do, and it's this, that every Christian can have wisdom and every Christian can grow in wisdom. If you're here today, you can't have wisdom. God wants you to have wisdom, and you can't grow in wisdom. Now, in the past couple of months, we've been in a sermon series on on how to be rich. Not financially wealthy, but spiritually wealthy. You're already spiritually wealthy, you just don't know it. But most of us are interested in financial wealth. They have these little seminars sometimes. On the weekends, uh, I don't know if they do it much more, but they used to have them and you go and you hear these people that were real successful and they would give you their business secrets. And uh, man, uh, they would, you could come for free. And then they, at the end, they would sell their products, usually their their CDs or whatever, access to, to more stuff they had. And there would be thousands and thousands of people there because people want to be successful, they want to be wealthy, they want a platform, they want to be famous. I'm not talking about that kind of of wealth. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter thirteen and verse seven, there is that maketh himself rich yet yet hath nothing. Has nothing. Have a big bank account, but they really don't have anything. They don't have a good home. They don't have contentment, they don't have any joy, they don't have any peace, but they made themselves rich. And then there's a person that has lived a sacrificial life, they've laid themselves down for others. There is that maketh himself poor, yet, yet, yet hath great riches. They have peace, they have friends, they have joy, they have contentment. They have the respect of others. They have respect within themselves. They're able to sleep at night. This is a kind of wealth. This is when I say how to be rich. This is what I'm talking about. And what I want to talk to you about tonight and next week, we have a, a special speaker. I want you to come back and hear Sam Wood next week. He'll be a blessing to us. But I want to talk to you tonight and at least one other service, maybe two, on, on how to be rich in wisdom. How to be rich in wisdom. Every Christian can be rich in wisdom. What happens to people that lack wisdom? Well, when you don't have wisdom, you're in perpetual conflict. You have relational conflicts. When you don't have wisdom, you, you have a lot of failure. Now, we always have failure because of the human condition, but you have a lot of dead ends, and you usually blame other people, not realizing it's because of the problems that you have created. You have unnecessary problems. And again, we all have problems, but you have some unnecessary problems. You begin to have a victim complex, if you will. And you have these, these exponential complex issues. And and that's why the book of Proverbs chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3 give the purpose of the book of Proverbs is to cultivate, is to cultivate wisdom. And one of the Hebrew words there is, is so that it can untangle the threads. It says one of the purposes of the book of Proverbs, it says life does this to you. It's like a ball of thread that is just like a cat comes along and it, it begins to roll this ball together. And you try to pull the string out and it's all messed up. And it says wisdom begins to help you to see the intricacies of that and how that these are connected and the dots are connected and how to, how to pull that apart. But I would say on the prevention side, wisdom also helps you from having to, to go to that place. So God wants you, if you're a believer, and if you're not, you, you need to know Christ. You cannot have His wisdom without knowing Him. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior you need to know him so you not only won't go to hell, that's enough right there, for an eternity separated from God in a lake of fire. But in this life, that you can navigate life with his wisdom. God wants you to have wisdom, but you will not, listen, you will not have wisdom until you value it. And that's really in this introduction what I want to talk to you about. Because, listen, we do not pursue the things we do not value. And would you agree with me that in our culture, and I don't want to throw rocks at the culture because I'm gonna make this statement and everybody say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to focus on us. It's so easy to preach at the choir, but real quick I'm gonna talk about the culture. Would you agree with me that our culture does not value wisdom? I mean you can watch the news for five minutes. And you hear these debates and, and you read some of the blogs, and you say, This doesn't even add up. It's not even common sense. We do not have wisdom in our leadership. But I see people making decisions today God's people and marriages and the way they live and the choices they make. God's children. And they do not value wisdom. Now, every Christian should value wisdom because of the benefits. There are benefits. If you, if you just saw the benefits, we'll see some of them. I'm not going to be able to comment as we go through the verses. Uh, There's self explanatory as you look at these. But they're, it's so beneficial to have wisdom in your life. But when you do not have wisdom, when you lack wisdom, it's costly, it's expensive. And you end up, you waste, you waste time, you have scars on your soul. Sometimes you have scars on your body. And here's the thing about a lack of wisdom. People that lack wisdom usually don't know it. Have you ever noticed that? People that don't have wisdom, they don't know it. Because they're kind of in a rut and they, and they think that they have wisdom For whatever reasons, because they've been highly educated or because they have someone has told them, whatever the reasons. And they think they have wisdom. But the reproofs of life would speak otherwise. So here's a question. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. Now that's a huge definition. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. Wisdom is not just one thing. Wisdom is an overarching perspective. Let me tell you what it is. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Specifically, wisdom is being able to apply knowledge... To a specific situation. That's what wisdom is. it's, It's having insight in practical ways. In practical areas. But it is not knowledge. It's not intelligence. Now, you can be intelligent and have wisdom. But just because you're intelligent doesn't mean you have wisdom. Wisdom is seeing life... From God's perspective. Now, I've already mentioned as I opened the message about how that I've tried to have a circle of advisors. I would ask you to do that. I, I mean, the president has a a room there where he meets with these these advisors, a cabinet. Uh, we when we lived in D.C. Uh, for those years, I had a friend in our church. One of my close friends was a Secret Service agent. And um, I'm sure they won't let you do this anymore because of all the terrorism and so forth. But in the early 80s, if you visited us at night, we could take you up to the White House, the old executive office building, which is next door where the vice president's office is. And we would go up on the second floor, the residence is on the third floor, but on the White House, on the second floor, where the um, cabinet room is. Which is right beside the Oval Office, the Roosevelt Room is. I mean, you see these things in my mind, and it's where history's made. And he, the president, would meet there. And you need to have advisors, but not just anybody. These need to be people that are wise in their area, and nobody's wise in every area. I was meeting with with one of my sons and. Uh, they had a particular decision uh, to make about some things recently. And I said, you need to see, and I mentioned a name, you need to talk to them. I said, I don't know a whole lot about that area. I said, I'm not good in that area, but, but this person, they're really good, and they can help you better. She said, well, hold on, you're the dad. Absolutely. And even though I'm the father, I, I can delegate some things to people that are, I'm responsible by the way, that's wisdom. See, wisdom is humble. You know your weaknesses. Now, I'm not good in that area, but he, he's really good. And it, it would do you. And when, listen, when you find somebody that does that, you need to listen to them because they're not Mr. Answer Man. And you need to have a cabinet of advisors in different areas that have wisdom in that area? Do you have people like that, that when they speak they have weight, not because they use big words, not because they're impressive, not because their vocabulary is large, but because when they speak they they shine light upon a problem. And when they say something it's like, well that really helped me. I think I can apply that. Maybe, yeah, they understand. Sometimes mercy people understand. Yeah, they understand. But the understanding is is at a point of leverage where, yeah, that, that helped me. Are they able to point you to a resource? Do you have people? But let me ask you another question. Wouldn't you like to be that kind of person? Not so people would exalt you or edify you, but so that you could be a blessing. So that you could God could use you better. The Bible talks about being men and women of wisdom. Now, there are some examples in the Word of God about people that God used uh, in the matter of uh, having insight. One of them is Nehemiah. If you know Nehemiah, he was a very effective, he was a wise leader. The things that Nehemiah accomplished. That God called him to do was remarkable. When he built the wall around Jerusalem, it was broken down. Now we, we know that he was a great administrator, but he, he was a wise man. Now there, there's something, that there, there's a line that has always captivated me in the book of Nehemiah about Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 4, he had, he had external problems. He had external opposition from the enemy. But in Nehemiah chapter 5, he had worse problems. It was internal problems with with his own people, with the Jews. So do you know what Nehemiah did? You say he had a plan, but before he had a plan, do you know what he did? There's a line in Nehemiah chapter 5 and verse 7. Here's what it says. Look at this. The Bible says, Nehemiah of Nehemiah, then I consulted with myself. You see that? Then I consulted with myself. You know what a consultant is? They're an advisor. The word consulted there means to seek counsel. And let me tell you what that means. Nehemiah sought counsel with himself. Now, he could do that because he was a wise and he was an effective leader. He had wisdom. Now, there's going to come a time in your life when you you don't have anybody to go to. And you're going to have to consult with yourself. Dawson Trotman, the founder of The Navigators, made a statement years ago that really helped me. Here's what he said. He said, thoughts disentangle themselves. Watch this. Okay, you get this. See the mess? Thoughts disentangle themselves your lips and your fingertips let me put it this way if you can't say it and you can't explain it you don't understand it when i hear someone say this whether it's a preacher or you're in a group or if i'm saying it to my wife and i explain i said, you get it you understand it that means i'm struggling to explain it it's not wrong to say that it just means i'm struggling And so for me, if if it's true, and I believe it is that thoughts disentangle themselves through lips and fingertips, what has helped me through the years is to write things down. I don't mean a to-do list. You say, well, preacher, I'm not a good writer. That's because you're not a good thinker. I'm not talking about intelligence. The most difficult work you'll ever do is to think. And I'm, I'm not putting down manual labor mean sweating and and fatigue that that's hard work. I don't mean it's a different kind of work, but you get by yourself and you sit there and you consult with yourself. Why is my son in rebellion? Well, I know I'll go see the pastor. well, he doesn't know your son now he may he may have some insight he can pray for you. I'll go talk to the youth pastor well, he might can help you. You get along with God. You sit down and start consulting. You start writing some things down. And it may take a little bit. I remember years ago when I I went into depression. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was discouraged. And then I began to talk to some people, some consultants, some advisors, some counselors I respected. Talked to one. I thought, well... A good man, he's a great man, he's a better man than I am, but you didn't help me. In fact, I told you, I told you what, what, what's going on, but, but you, you went over in this area, and I tried to pull you back. No, here here's where I'm at. Help, help. But you want to go back in this area, but, but this is where, this is the route. I talked to someone else, and the Holy Spirit said, son, you're going to have to help yourself. So you know what I did? I I sat down and I did something. I consulted with myself. How did you get to this place? How did you get here? And there were about seven things that happened in about two and a half years. And they were all, all related to one root. And they were just tapping out of my life. Just tapping It was very severe, but I didn't realize it. I consulted with myself. David was a very effective leader. He was a he was a wise leader. And David said in Psalm four and verse four, Stand in awe and sin not and commune with your own heart upon your bed. Now he's not talking about meditating upon scripture there. He's talking about thinking. Now, this is the Word of God. This is not psychology. There are some psychological aspects here. But this is the Word of God. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. I think I'm just going to go to sleep. Zonk. And then you wake up with pressure. Listen, apply the wisdom that God has given to you. Well, I'm going to call Rick. I'm going to call Tim. I'm going to call Daniel. I'm going to call this person. Consult with yourself. God wants to give you wisdom. But you will never have wisdom until you value wisdom. You have to go to the source of wisdom. God wants to give it to you. Someone said, and I agree with this partially, here's a statement, the most important conversation you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. I think that's generally true, but it's not fully true. The most important conversation you'll ever have is the one you have with God. Because when I read the Bible, God talks to me. And when I pray, I talk to God. Now listen. And when I read the Bible and when I pray, those inform the conversations I have with myself. Now I do have conversations with myself. And those are important conversations. I'm not negating that. But those conversations that you have with yourself are vital in that sense. And they reflect the conversations that you do or you don't have with the Lord, so what I'm trying to urge upon you uh, this morning is the importance of wisdom until you know how crucial it is. It's not optional. I'm not trying to save me trouble. I don't mind you talking to me. Don't don't. I'm not trying to come across that way, but I'm trying to help you because sometimes you you will talk to me or one of the pastors and you'll walk in and say they didn't help me because God wants you to have wisdom. One of the best things you can do is is, is is don't always give your son and daughter a fish. Teach them how to fish. Teach them how to solve problems. Teach them how to have wisdom. I want you to see this a little bit in Daniel chapter one. Nebuchadnezzar had taken Judah captive, at least some of them. He'd taken their children. And he sought specific character qualities. From them. I want you to notice the kind of qualities he sought from them. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 4, children in whom was no blemish but well favored. That's the physical aspects. Now look at this, and in skillful in all wisdom. You see that? Here's why it says skillful in all wisdom, because wisdom, the Hebrew word wisdom has the idea of skill. Wisdom is not intelligence. Wisdom always has the idea of application. It's always skillful. It always results, it always has a result, a consequence. Skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. So they, they were looking for some sharp young people. They had a physical capability, some mental capabilities, but they were looking for some wisdom. And God blessed these young people, especially Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names were changed when they went to the kingdom of the Chaldeans there. Notice in verse 17 now, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. And the insight, listen, the insight that God gave them far exceeded, far exceeded anything that the people in the kingdom had. There's a verse that when I was a youth pastor, I remember emphasizing this with, with our parents. And I've emphasized it some here in our church. But notice in verse 20, Daniel 1 and verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 look at this, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And don't read magicians like you're thinking here. He's talking about these priests and religious leaders of occults there. And he said, these godly boys, these teenagers, if you would, Because of the wisdom that God, listen, the wisdom that God had given to them, they were ten times better. Not because of their intelligence, but because of their wisdom. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and it was a crisis where he was going to destroy all of uh, those young men because nobody could interpret the dream. And Daniel acknowledged, he said, I can do this. And he acknowledged that God had given him wisdom. Notice in Daniel chapter 2, turn the page, look at verse 23. And He he says, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might. He said, God, you you have given me this ability. You have given me this insight. You've done this for me. And then this wisdom was the basis of, of their being promoted, not just Daniel, but the other young men. Move over a few more pages in Daniel chapter 5, look at verse 11. The report came to Belshazzar, who's now running the kingdom. This is years later. Daniel's now in his 40s or 50s, maybe even in his 60s, years and years later. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father... Look, no, Notice how it's characterized light in understanding and wisdom. Like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, forasmuch as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding... Interpreting of dreams and showing—look at this—showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king was named named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. And and he was promoted, and Daniel, Daniel Belshazzar called for Daniel, and the basis of his promotion. What was the ability, was a skill, listen, was the skill that wisdom gave him. Now, I want you to listen carefully to me, and I don't want to be misquoted on this. You can have a college diploma, but if you don't have wisdom, that diploma is not going to do you any good. Now, I believe that. Now, it can open a door, but it's not going to hold the door open if you don't have any sense. You need to have wisdom. I had rather, now, now I've got several of my kids, some of them have multiple degrees. One of them has several master's degrees and a seminary degree. I'm not against diplomas. Okay, don't misquote me. But I'm going to say this, I mean, I'd rather for my kids to have wisdom than to have diplomas. And we've we we made education a God, grades are God. Well, we can't come to church, you know. He's got to get an A. We've been working on this project. I think I've told you before, I never miss church. I've been up all night long before working on a project, but we never miss church because it was a value to my parents. And it wasn't the building, it was, thou shalt not have any other gods before me, my parents. And that stuck with me. There was wisdom in that. Became a priority. Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 5 verse 14. I have even heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee. And that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. So we see the value of wisdom in this passage. Now here's what I'm saying. You will not pursue something that you do not value. That's the point. If you do not value wisdom, you won't pursue it. And I'll be honest with you, we, we don't talk about wisdom much anymore, just in an abstract way. Well, they have a lot of wisdom. But you need wisdom. You're not always going to have people around you, your parents or, or other people to help you. But the Holy Spirit can be the Word of God. Now, sometimes wisdom is personified. That means in writing, a character will take on the the personality of a human and it is personified and it takes on these uh, qualities of a person and god does that in the book of proverbs several times with wisdom let me show you one and here we see its value and i'm just going to read through this and point out one thing look at proverbs chapter 8 and verse 12 i and notice the pro, personal pronoun i me and mine it's, it's wisdom I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. There's a benefit. And we find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, seeing the evil way. And the forward mouth, do I hate? Who is I? Wisdom. Wisdom doesn't tolerate these things, these sins. Counsel is mine. That is wisdom, sound wisdom. I, wisdom and understanding, I have strength. By me, kings reign, princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Well, that's did you see that? Find it early, young people. Riches. And honor are with me. Durable riches and righteousness. I want you to see this. My fruit is better than gold. Do you believe that? My fruit. Wisdom has fruit. It has a byproduct. And it's better than financial wealth. That's what he says. This is what God says. The fruit of wisdom is better than gold. Yea, then fine gold. And my revenue better than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. I, me, mine. Do you see the benefits? This deserves its own exegesis. I don't have time to develop it this morning. But if you had the opportunity to to have a check, someone write you a check for a billion dollars with a B, a billion dollars receive receiving abundance of God's wisdom, what would you take? You, the people in this room. Most people say, give me that B, baby. I want the billion. When God says, it's not even a comparison. Take the wisdom. Get the wisdom. Because the wisdom is where the benefits are. He says in verse 19 there in Proverbs 8, My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold. And my revenue, wisdom has revenues than choice silver. It's better than gold, better than fine gold, better than choice silver. Now, there's a difference in seeking wisdom and the benefits of wisdom. Wisdom is the root, not the fruit. Don't don't seek the benefits, seek, seek the root. See the value of wisdom. God came to King Solomon... In 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, notice this, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. The blank checks. Son, what do you want? Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness." That thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Remember, uh, Solomon followed his, Dave, his father David to be the king. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made... Now watch this. Thy servant king instead of David my father. Now here's the key to wisdom. And I am but a little child. I have this underlined. I know not. I know not how to go or to come in. I just want to stop there. That's the key to wisdom, is knowing what you don't know. I don't know. You know what makes you a good candidate for wisdom? Being able to say, I don't know. Wisdom isn't knowing everything. Wisdom is knowing what you don't know so you can you can go find it where God can tell you, or you can you can go find the source where you need it and there are some here this morning listen, you need god 's wisdom, and you 're frustrated because you don 't know listen that, that's that 's a good opportunity, and thy servant he continues is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude give therefore thy servant an under look at this an understanding heart to judge thy people here's his request give therefore because i don't know lord give therefore thy servant and here's what i want an understanding heart so i can be a good king a good judge that i and i have this underlined that i may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this so Thy so great a people. Now look at this. And this, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. What thing? For an understanding heart, for wisdom. God God is delighted. He's delighted when you don't know something and you just ask Him, God, I don't know. I need your wisdom. I don't know what to do. He's pleased when you just say, God, I need, I need understanding. And God said unto Solomon, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself. And he underlines it again, understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart. So that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like before thee, and I have also given thee look at this, I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all the days. This is phenomenal. What an incredible passage of Scripture. You know, we see the benefits, but do you see the root? And really, the deeper root on a human level is this, is, Lord, I don't know. You put me in a really position that, that I'm weak in. And I'm weak, I don't know. This job is too big for me. I need wisdom. This pleases God. And he says, I will give you the wisdom. I wonder this week, did, did you cry, rather than complaining, did you ask God for wisdom? You know, I remember when our our kids were little, we prayed God for wisdom. And then your children become teenagers, and you really pray God for wisdom. But when your children become adults, even though they're not under your authority, you pray more for them when they were children and teenagers combined. And those of you that are older, you know that's true. And you are begging God for wisdom on pathways to speak into their life. And you know why? Because here it is. It's God I don't know. Sometimes we get frustrated with God, not understanding God God delights in humility. God, I, I need you. And you, listen, you can have wisdom and you can grow in wisdom. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 19, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Now in that context, he's talking about the gospel message. Grace versus works. But the principle still the same. The wisdom of the world is, is foolishness with God. There is a wisdom of this world and you must reject it. Thomas Fuller, the Puritan preacher said this, A wise man may look ridiculous in the company of fools. I want you to think about that. A wise man may look ridiculous in the company of fools. That means you're going to have to get comfortable with looking foolish with fools. Even when you're wise. Because they're following after the world's foolishness. Why do you go to church all the time? Why do you tithe? Why do you raise your children that way? Why do you fill in the blank? And the wisdom of the world is 180 degrees opposite from that. And from the wisdom of the world, it looks like that doesn't make sense. The Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, in other words, this is not God's wisdom, but it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. Earthly, that's the world. Sensual, that's the flesh. That's th- and then devilish, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil has a wisdom that conspires against the wisdom of God. And some of you are very comfortable with the world's wisdom and fleshly wisdom, if it feels good, do it. And with satanic who, wisdom, who operates the world. And, and you're, you're going opposite of God's wisdom. And you need his wisdom. This wisdom descendeth not from above. Wisdom is not having a high IQ. That's not wrong. Wisdom is not getting a National Merit Scholarship, though that's not wrong. Wisdom is not having a good personality, it's not being clever, it's not having charisma. Those things aren't wrong, but that's not wisdom. Sometimes on the late night shows, I, you watch these actors as they're interviewed by people, and I say, man, those, those people really have, they're really sharp with their personalities, And that's not wrong. God can use a personality. But sometimes we become so dependent upon our our gifts and our strengths that we reject the wisdom of God because it's foolish to us. Because God asks us to do things we don't want to do. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, Wisdom is a right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. This person was really good with words. But to know how to use, here it is, to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Now listen, without godly wisdom, all education does is teaches you how to sin more creatively. And I stand by that 100%. Because this wisdom doesn't come from above. And I would say I know my flesh, but I don't even know my own foolish heart. But I do know this if it can be done, I can do it. And I need his wisdom. And I need the brokenness to come to God and say, God, I can't do this. I, I can't put this puzzle called my life together. And I can't put my brokenness together. And, and I can't deal with this, this rebellion in my child and, and this brokenness in my marriage. And I, I can't put this, this, these difficulties together. But one of the highest values you have in life should be the pursuit of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. The word "principle" means first in time, place, order, and rank. This is the Bible; these, these are the words of God. Wisdom is the principal thing; therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. It's the principal thing. It's the beginning thing. It's a priority. Proverbs eight eleven: For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. And wisdom is more important, more valuable than rubies. Job 28.16, no mention shall be made made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies, above rubies. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding for the merchandise. You see, the you're going to have to pay something for it. It's not free. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She, that is wisdom, is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire to be not to be compared with her. Again, Proverbs 8, 11, wisdom is better than rubies. All the things that thou, that they may be desired are not to be compared with. In the Bible times, rubies were better than diamonds. Did you know that the hardest gem in the world is a diamond? Second is a ruby. It's a very precious gem. Proverbs 16, 16. how much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. And we like that part. We, We understand that part. You're going to have to pay a price for it. You're not going to learn the Bible without reading it by sitting under teachers. Buy the truth. Pay the price. Don't sell it. Don't compromise it. But look, there's not a period there. Also wisdom. Instruction and understanding. Invest in wisdom. I think sometimes we see people that, that are wise and think, well, they, they were just made that way. No, no, they went through some hard times. Their heart was broken. They learned humility. They spent time with God. They, they spent time consulting with themselves, writing. They turned the t v off. They'd play video games all the time. They spent time thinking. They weren't talking all the time. They were listening. they were evaluating there's a price for buy the truth or buy wisdom also is in there. sell it not. when a person is wise, they're christ like for Jesus had wisdom in Luke chapter two and verse forty. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. The word filled means a net that's crammed full to capacity with fish. Jesus was 12 years old. You say, well, he was a God man. He was the God man, but he was a man too. He was a boy, but he was filled with wisdom. Let me ask you a question. We want our kids to be successful, but we want our kids to be wise. And the Bible here says, and the child grew. It means he grew in capacity and wisdom. Is one of your goals for your kids to be wise. I used to ask my kids when they were in the home, they'd make a bad decision, was that, was that a wise choice? When I would discipline them, sometimes I'd say, do you want to be a wise son? Do you want to be a wise daughter? We want them to make a lot of money. We want to be famous. We should want our kids to be wise, growing in wisdom. I'll show you one more verse in Romans chapter 11 as I close today. That everything God does is by His wisdom. Romans 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom. Look at this. Of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways, past and finding out. I want you to see there that God is rich in wisdom. He's rich in knowledge. In His ways, His judgments are unsearchable and he's so rich in wisdom he wants to make you rich in wisdom how to grow in wisdom you can be God wants you to be wise but first of all you, you have to see the value of it because you're not going to pursue something that you don't perceive as valuable you're just going to say yeah wisdom smithed him. <laughs> oh I know somebody that can help me with it well one day you're going to have three minutes to make a decision, and you're not going to have time to make the phone call. And you're going to need and all what's been collated into you for the last five, 10, 15, 25 years in that moment is going to will or will not be able to be called up, because you're going to send a text message or make the call, and they're not going to be able to answer. And it's not going to be their fault. Because you have not been walking with God. You have not been in His Word. You have not humbled yourself before Him. And said, God, I need you. I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a dad. I'm not good at being a husband. I remember when I got married, I said, God, I'm not I don't know how to be romantic. I know how to love deep. I remember we had our first daughter. I said, God, I'm not good with girls. I'm just a rough old guy. I remember I became the pastor. I said, God, I, I don't know how to do this. In all of my fears, my heavenly father said, I like that boy. I like that you don't know but I do and what you need to do is lean in real close and I'll teach you how to love your wife because I love her more than you do and I'll teach you how to be tender with her and your girls and you have a shepherd's heart Rick you just can't see it I'll help you how to shepherd people I'll help you Would you bow your heads with me, would you?